So I just wonder, what is the vision in your life? What is on your mind? Do you have a heavenly vision about where your life could go, what your life could be? I just wonder today if God could lift us up. Today I'm going to talk about three dimensions that you need to move in to be with the Lord. One, two, or three. Please take your seats. Great to see you today. I don't know about you, but have you ever paid for something? Then you find out somebody else got it cheaper. It just drives you crazy, doesn't it? You pay for something, and then somebody else, and they brag about it too. Oh, I got it half price. And you go, just don't like it. You know, or have you ever been on holiday and then somebody else got the same holiday as you and they got a better package than you and they paid less than you? Winds me up. What about, you know, if you get an aeroplane flight and you pay one price and you find out other people who booked a day before got it cheaper than you? Just how unfair is that? Okay, you're one of those people, aren't you, that get the cheap price? Of course, I should have known. Have you been in a relationship with someone? And like at work or some, maybe some other relationship, and you feel like there's an invisible line. And it's kind of, you can know me this far, but no more. And that actually, as hard as you try, and you think, is it me? And you just can't get through. And it's so far, and no more. Have you got somebody like that at work? Have you ever met somebody with potential? You know, they, they just show so much promise. I'm feeling so sorry at the moment, aren't you, for the, 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 the speed skater and oh, just hope that she gets a gold or a medal or stays on her feet even. You know, Elaine Christie, and she just keeps crashing out. And I just like, oh, can you just get around the course? That'd be a healing. There's a, there's a snowboarder as well called Jacobellis, and she has been trying to get a gold for 10 years, and now people are getting younger and faster. And I can just see that that potential, she's just not going to make it. Have you ever met somebody with potential? In my generation, there was a footballer called Paul Gascoigne who was brilliant. And yet now he's ruined. Have you ever met anybody where there's lots of potential? Some of you are school teachers. You'll be thinking, if you could just push through. And it's really sad. I wonder if you're like that with God. I wonder if you are, have got that invisible line where you say, this far and no more, Lord. I wonder if you have that sense of, you could do so well, but there's a bit that's holding back. You see, he died, he bleeds for you, and then there's something about us sometimes that doesn't want everything he's got for us. He does all of this stuff and we go, mm, 
not sure. What is that? You see, being Pentecostal or coming to a church like this or being filled with the Spirit, it's about receiving everything that God has for you. It's about receiving gifts. It's about receiving fruit. It's about saying, God, if you've got something for me, please give it to me. It's about, if you've got a gift of healing, I'll have that. If you've got a gift of discernment, I'll have that, Lord. Whatever you've got for me, I'd love it, Lord, if you gave it to me. Have you got some joy, Lord? I'll have that. Have you got some love? Have you got some patience? Have you got some fruit that I can have? Lord, is there anything that you think I need, give it to me. That's being Pentecostal. That's being filled with the Spirit. It's not this cautious tap dance with the spiritual Jesus and saying, well, Lord, let's play chess and let's see who wins. It's saying, God, is there anything you have for me? I want it. I want empowerment to live. I want to be able to live a victorious life. I want to be able to know what I'm doing in the life. You know, often Pentecostal is defined culturally instead of biblically. Now, some of you who are a bit older might remember when Pentecostals all wore hats. We had to wear a hat. And we were hopeless at fashion, although that's not changed. Uh, you know, and we, and we were kind of like, we wore no makeup. We never danced. We didn't do anything. In fact, we were known for what we didn't do and what we did do. Does anybody remember those days? They weren't very golden. But that's a cultural view of what being a Pentecostal is. Where we were known for our unusual behavior in worship services. And, you know, I'm okay with unusual behavior in worship services. Because our stewards are really tough and they'll just take you down. But we were known for that. But that's a cultural view. I don't want you to understand the Holy Spirit that way. I don't want you to understand being a Pentecostal that way. Biblically speaking, being a Pentecostal means I want everything that you've got for me, God. Holy Spirit, if there's anything that you want me to have, if there's any relationship that I need to walk in, let me walk in that. You see, the word pente means five, and costal from coste means ten, and it means five times ten, it means fifty. Fifty days after the Passover, there was a festival called Pentecost. And it means that 50 days later, after celebrating coming out of Egypt or leaving my old life behind, we celebrated the harvest, all the things that God had grown, all the things that we had grown in our, on our farms, but also that which God was giving to me and that harvest which he was uh, giving to me in my life. And it's a celebration of, God, that which you are doing and you are coming down and giving me. And the second element for Pentecost was it was 50 days after they left Egypt that they went to Mount Sinai. And on that day, in Exodus 19 verse 11, it says, The Lord will come down and speak to you. And he gave them the law. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down 
and filled the lives of the believers so that they could miss out what Romans chapter 7 says. At the end of Romans chapter 7, Paul says these really strange truths about, I see another law working in me, uh, in my mind, where I can't please God. And then he cries out and says, oh, wretched man that I am. I, I just, uh, who will deliver me from this body of death? But you see, in the New Testament, when it was originally written, there was no chapter division. So you didn't have chapter 7 and chapter 8. And then he comes the very next sentence. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't live after the laws of the flesh. But those who live in the law of the Spirit, they can be free. So the Pentecostal or being filled with the Spirit means you've come to me and you enable me to live and to have everything that you want for me, Lord. I wonder what your definition of it is. Today, I wonder whether you want everything that God's got on offer. Just imagine that Jesus stands before you today and he says, do you want this? Are you going to be one of those willing things that says, sure, Lord, if you're offering it, I'll take it. Why don't you breathe that prayer inside your heart right now? Why don't you, why don't you pray along with me and say, well, if you're offering it, I'll take it. Because God isn't going to give you something that isn't good for you. I want to take you through a kind of one, two, three process today. Is that all right? To, to build a great relationship with the Holy Spirit. There are three dimensions to what, we are, what he does. And, and this is how you build with him. Number one, he, in the first dimension, he draws you. The Father sends him. And he begins to say, have you considered your life? And some of you, you're, you're thinking through and saying, I wonder if this Christianity is really real. And the, and the Holy Spirit begins to talk to you. You don't know it's that. You think it's your conscience. You're a bit nervous. And the Holy Spirit begins to say, you know, have you considered this Christian life? And, and what the Bible says is that he helps us change our mind. And that's really what the word repent means. It means to change your mind. Change your mind about what life's about. Change your mind about what you've been doing. Change your mind about what your life purpose is. Change your mind about your wrongdoing, thinking it's, oh, it's okay because everybody else does it. No, change your mind. The Bible calls that sin. And change your mind and, and come to him. And the Holy Spirit will help you to repent. And then the second thing that the Holy Spirit does is once you've changed your mind, he helps you to release some of the things that are holding you back, to release some of the hang-ups and hurts and some of the labels that people have put on you. And he does a work of healing in you. And often as we go through the waters of baptism and water baptism and say, you know what, I'm putting my old life behind me. Often that's a turning point for us where we can begin to learn that we can walk in freedom. So that the Holy Spirit is always doing a deeper work of release in our lives. And there'll be many people here who've been in the Christian family a long time, but you need a deeper work of release. And then the, the third dimension of the relationship with the Holy Spirit is he wants, to, he wants you to receive more from him. There's a repent, there's a release, but then there's a receiving from him. He wants to fill you. 
He wants to fill you and empower you and enable you to live for him, but also to share the story about him. I want you to see this kind of one, two, three pattern throughout the whole scripture. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 2, and we'll look at two verses, verses 38 and through 39. Acts 2, 38 and 39. It says this. Peter preached this sermon, and it says, When the people heard this, all of his sermon, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Number one, repent. Change your mind about the way that you are. And number two, be baptized. Every one of you. Number two, be baptized means I'm going into water baptism and I'm saying I want to be released completely from my old life. Number two, be baptized. In the, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will, number three, receive. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? And just so that there are some people who say, well, that was just for that day. That, that isn't for today. But look at what verse 39 says. And this promise is for you. You who are standing in front of me listening to this message now, says Peter. It's for you. It's for your children. So it crosses a generation. And for all whom are afar off, and just in case you're confused about that, and for all whom the Lord God will call. That's everybody, in every time, in every generation. The Lord wants you to receive. Lots of people have already done number one, they've done number two, and they're not sure about number three. I wonder why that is. You see, they could have asked the question, oh, Peter, how could I be saved? Like, there was a, later on, there was a jailer in a, in, in a Philippian jailer who said, uh, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. He gave him a very specific answer. But here, they just said, what shall we do? So Peter gives him the whole thing. Repent. Change your mind. Be released, be baptized, say no to your old life and yes to a new life and receive. I wonder where you're at. I wonder if you're number one, number two or number three. Actually, these three works go around together. And they work together. Can I take you to another scripture? Because I want you to see this pattern of three this morning throughout the whole scripture. We've got three baptisms that, that are done. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 says, For we all will be baptized. Now look at this. We're baptized by one spirit so as to form one body into the body of Christ, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given one spirit to drink. Now, who's doing the baptizing here? The Holy Spirit baptizes you into the church and into God's body. Don't let anybody tell you you don't belong. Because if you have repented and you've said, yes, I want to belong to Jesus' family, the Holy Spirit takes you and immerses you, plunges you, makes you completely a part of, submerges you into the church body and fellowship. You belong here. And that's not a decision by us. That's a decision by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes people into his church. 
And then there's another baptism that you need to understand, that you need to receive. You've, many of you have received this first baptism. But another baptism is you need to be baptized in water by the church. The church does the baptizing or the disciples do the baptizing. Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 through 20 says, Go into all the world, preach the gospel, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not the Holy Spirit baptizing you here. This is the church baptizing you. And what that is is a symbol of you saying... I'm now on this journey, I'm away from my old life, and I am saying I'm shutting the door. I'm saying goodbye to my old life completely, and I'm saying I want to go forward and be a part of everything that God is doing. And the church affirms that. So the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ, and the body of Christ baptizes you into water so that you can then shut the door to your old life. But there's another baptism. In every one of the Gospels, all four Gospels, now that's significant. In Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, in John, it says something like this. He who comes after me is greater than me. In John it actually says, whom you see the Spirit coming on, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. It's not the Holy Spirit doing the baptisms. It's not the church doing the baptisms. But Jesus himself wants to baptize you in what? Not in water, not into the church, but in the Holy Spirit himself. He wants to plunge you, immerse you, fill you so that you can receive. Can I hear an amen, church? See, let me make it even more dramatic. Jesus wants to fill you with fire oh look at this you know what I pray for the day when it's not props it's the real heavenly fire that comes down on this place and fills this whole place somebody give the Lord praise come on Jesus wants to fill you baptize you but that looks a bit scary doesn't it it's going to put some of you off it really is but Jesus is going to fill you he's going to baptize you and it's Jesus who's the baptizer so can you imagine Jesus stands right in front of you Ure, and says I've got something for you I've got something for you are we going to be those modern Christians who treat spirituality like a buffet bar and go, well, I fancy that bit. I don't fancy that bit. I will like those. Well, those are my favorite, but I don't like that. You see, we need to see in the scriptures a pattern of three. Let me take you even further. The festivals in, in the Old Testament, there were lots of festivals. There were the three main ones, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. But to get to Pentecost, the Passover festival was a, a festival to celebrate the deliverance that went on out of Egypt. And what happened was they killed a Passover lamb at 9 o'clock in the morning. How many of you know that Jesus was hung on the cross at 9 o'clock in the morning? And at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the, in the Passover, they would take the lamb and put it in a stone oven. How many of you know at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus was taken from the cross and put in a tomb? 
And, and during Passover, the father of the house would then take some unleavened bread and hide it as a symbol that sins have been put away from the family. And then on the Sunday, after the Friday of the Passover, they would take out the unleavened bread and wave it before God. And how many of you know that Jesus was put in a tomb and three days later said, I've put away sin and now I'm waving it before you, God, as the offering to say, I've dealt with it. I've dealt with it. It's finished. And then after Passover, they went through the Red Sea. And they walked through a body of water and the water closed and their old life of slavery closed behind them. They had some slavery in their hearts that God had to deal with. But that old life, in fact, their slave masters were buried under the sea. I think there are some people in this house today, you need to have some slave masters buried under a decision and in the waters of baptism. And then they got to Mount Sinai, and the, the, the Lord brought the law down, but they came, the God came down, and they celebrated that God was with them, leading them. And then, of course, they went to the Feast of the Tabernacles, which is the third great feast of where they would dwell with the Lord. And there's going to come a time when we will dwell with the Lord, and what this is, What we do here on Sundays is just a foretaste of what will be. Let me show you another pattern of three. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look, turn there. The first two verses. It says this, For I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud. And they were all passed through the sea. They were all, one, baptized into Moses. And in the two, in the cloud, and in the sea. Look at the three pattern again. They were baptized, immersed into Moses. He was their deliverer. He took them out of slavery. You need a repentance that turns you around to take you out of slavery. Then they were baptized into the sea, a cutting off of the old life. And then they were baptized into the cloud. The Bible says that they had a cloud and a fire that led them throughout their lives. We need a presence with us, a receiving with us. Let me take you to another pattern of three. Do you remember Abraham? It says to Abraham in in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Abraham, leave your old land. Leave the house of your father. Come out. Change your mind about where you're living. And leave. And then chapter 15 of Genesis, it says that Abraham made a covenant with God. And they actually, in those days, they cut an animal in half and they'd pass through it. And it closed up. And the old way of being was cut off. And he had a release from his old identity. And two chapters later, there's ever such a strange thing. Because those of you who know the scriptures, you know that Abraham wasn't called Abraham. What was his name? Abraham, wasn't it? And in chapter 17, God says, I'm going to change things about you. And I'm going to rename you. And he puts a H-A, and it's a into his name. And in the Hebrew, the same sound is the same sound as Ruach. For the spirit. And from that day, Abraham, I'm 
teaching you, that I'm with you, I'm directing you, I'm filling you, I'm leading you. The same about his wife. His wife was named Sarai. She laughed. She laughed at what God was doing. And God was saying, Sarah, you don't need to laugh at what I'm doing. You need to live in what I'm doing. And her name was Sarai. He took the I out of her name. There's a clue. And put a H on the end, making it ha. Sarah, filling her with his spirit. If you take the I out of things, you'll be filled with the spirit. You see, there's a pattern of one, two, three that go on continually in the scriptures. Should I take you to another one? Are you there with me? First John chapter 5, verse 7. And, and verse, uh, yeah, just verse 7, it says, There are three that testify. The spirit, the water, and the blood, and these are in agreement. You see, you can't separate the spirit, the water, and the blood. Some Christians want to say, I'll have a bit of water... I don't mind the blood. I'm not sure about the spirit. But actually the Bible says that you have to keep these three together. The spirit, the water and the blood. They're in agreement. You see, you need the blood of Christ who will set you free. You need the water that will say, I'm not living my old life. And then you need to receive the spirit. Of course, we know the Holy Spirit. He's baptized you in his first baptism. And and you have the Spirit living in you. But he wants to overflow from you. You know, I've got a heating system at home. I've got this thing where on my phone, I can turn my heating on from here. How cool am I? But I know right now in my home, there's a pilot light in my boiler. And it's just there, and it's there, it's alive, it's alive. You have the Holy Spirit in you. But when I press my phone and say, uh, warm up, it bursts into flame and becomes more than what's there. You need to receive more than what you've had. Let me take you to another pattern of three. Did you understand, and have you read in the Old Testament, when the priest wanted to go into the Holy of Holies? Now, the Holy of Holies was a place where a flame burned all the time, where God's law was being reminded about all the time. It was the very presence of God. It was a place that only the priest could go. And the Bible calls you a kingdom of priests. You are his holy nation and his priests. Do you know how the priest got to the Holy of Holies? He says, first of all, the priest would have to kill a lamb and spill blood and make a sacrifice. And after they made that sacrifice and they progressed, number one, then they would wash their hands in a basin and a lava and wash, and when they, not just their hands, but sprinkle it over them and be washed in water and be cleansed and have a cut off from what's behind them. Number two, And then, number three, they would take some oil. Before he could go into the Holy of Holies and into the presence of God and dwell there and minister there, they would pour oil on their head. Number three. You see, there's a one, two, three pattern in the scripture that all work together. Funny thing is, they don't all off, they can operate out of order. Now, like a GPS system, you need a starting place. And number one, changing your mind about how you live and coming to Christ and accepting him and saying, I don't want to be a slave anymore, giving him your sins. That's your starting point, number one. Although, you know, I have seen people who were not really 
repenting and they decide to do number two and as they're doing number two and they get baptized in water they suddenly realize that they are sinners and come to Christ and accept him there in our baptism class we lead people to the Lord every time we do it because they're church going people who think well to get baptized is the right thing to do and they haven't really done number one and repented when I was uh, 14 years old, Kathy and I, we went on, uh, I, got, I became a Christian when I was 14. And I didn't know anything. I didn't know a thing about it. I didn't grow up in church. And so I gave my life to the Lord. Have you had that experience where you feel like you're the only person in church and the pastor must have read your mail because it's like, it's for you. And you think, how does he know? I was sitting in church and the pastor was preaching. I thought, that's my life. And I gave my heart to the Lord. Eleven days later, I didn't know anything but that good church that I went to there. They put their arms around me and said, Mark, you can receive something that will help you live. It will help you be bold. It will help you witness. But it will also just help you live the Christian life. You see, because we as Pentecostals, we have defined the baptism of the Holy Spirit just to help you to witness. But actually, it's the life in the Spirit to help you to live for God. To be enabled, to be energized for God. And they said, this will help you. So I didn't know anything. And 11 days after I became a Christian, they put their arm around me and laid their hands on me. And I prayed and asked God. And he filled me. I suddenly began to speak in another language. It wasn't much at first. And began to prophesy. And began to feel that I wasn't just weird, but I was bold for God. But I hadn't done number two. It was 16 weeks later, Kathy and I went to a youth camp. And we went to this youth camp, it rained all weekend. It put us off camping for life. I'm so glad that I'm not into the Feast of the Tabernacles where they go out in booths. We would hate that, Kathy, wouldn't we? You do realize Kathy's idea of camping is walking under the awning of the Holiday Inn as she goes into the hotel. <laughs> we hate it, it put us off. But on that youth weekend, it was also the weekend where we first held hands, by the way. But that's another story. That's another story. On that youth weekend, they took me down to the beach on the, on the coast of North Wales. Real Costa del Real. It was freezing. But I went into the sea and I was baptized. So I got number one, I got number three, and I got number two later. Which actually happens in the scripture. There's a, in the book of uh, Acts, chapter 10, Cornelius is a Roman centurion and he's been doing good works and God speaks to him and he invites Peter to preach to him and Peter preaches to him and as Peter's preaching, he thinks, I believe that and he gets number one. He repents. But as he's agreeing with Peter, the Holy Spirit comes on him and Peter actually says, we can't deny them number two because they've already had number three. I mean, that's not the, literally what he says. He says, we can't deny them to be water baptized because we hear them being filled with the Holy Spirit in the same way as we have. You see, it doesn't always happen in the right order. Uh, Peter went down to Samaria to join Philip. Philip preached to Samarians and they received the word with joy and they were, and they were baptized in water, but none of them had ever been receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John uh, go down there, Peter and James go down there and they said, these people, have, they've, they've done number one, they've got number two, but they haven't got number three. And so they received 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I wonder where you are on this journey. And I wonder where you're, if you're saying, well, I've got a bit of the Holy Spirit. You need to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There were some men in Ephesus where Paul had great success. But just before Paul went there, there was an apostle called Apollos who went there. And he taught about the Jewish faith and how Jesus was the Messiah very accurately. And he taught about how Jews should accept Jesus as the Messiah, very similar to how John the Baptist did. And so Paul goes along to these Ephesians and says, have you heard about, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And he said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Here's the very teaching point in that. You don't have to know much to receive much. You don't have to know much. Some of you want to crack out the books and study. And, and that's fine, and you can do that. In fact, some of you have got questions, and you think, you know, I've got some questions, so I'm not going to do anything until my questions are answered. These men said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He said, well, what, well, let's step it back. He said, what baptism did you receive? We said, we received John's baptism. They weren't even at number one or number two. They had the wrong baptism. In fact, with this lot, there was one, two, three, four. They received John's baptism. Well, Paul says, hang on. You've accepted Jesus. Yeah, we've got number one. Right. What baptism did you receive? No, that you've got, you received the wrong baptism. So he baptizes them into the name of Jesus by the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He baptizes them, and then he lays his hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. So they had four things happen to them, but they got there in the end. You might be a mishmash. You might have lots of questions, but if you simply say, Give me all you've got, Lord, you can receive... Everything you need. And there's a pattern throughout scripture of repentance, of releasing and receiving. It's all the way through the book. And I've tried to be ever so simple today and do this kind of almost kind of childlike one, two, three business. But, you know, some of you are at number one. And some of you are questioning, shall I, shall I really give my life to the Lord? Some of you, some of you have, have missed out number two. And because you have gone on in the faith, you don't see the need for it. But let me tell you that the Lord always deepens the work of release as you say, yeah, I'll, I'll be baptized in water. Because it's not just a symbol, it becomes a, a means of grace to your life. And then for, for some of us, we've, we've spoken in tongues in 1969 and that's what we've done. And we actually need to say, no, you need to refresh me again in, in, what, in what number three is all about, the, the receiving of the Holy Spirit. So number one, you need to come to Jesus. Number two, you need to cut off your old life. And number three, you need to say, give me all you've got, God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I want to ask you if you just stand with me, because I'm going to ask you to actually gather around the front in a moment. Would you please stand and the worship team are going to come. But you know, many Christians and many pastors will preach that the very last words of Jesus were, go into all the world. But you know they weren't. We, we are told to go into all the world. And, and as we all kind of stand together and we're, we're just coming to the close of our service, you know, often we say go into all the world. And that's really important to do. But you know, that wasn't the last instruction of Jesus. In fact, the very last 
instruction of Jesus was this wait it wasn't go it was wait he said wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift which my father has promised for John baptized you in water but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit to be Pentecostal means I want to have everything that you've got for me, God. I'm taking away the invisible line. I'm taking away the thought that, oh, if I get the Holy Spirit, I'll go weird. You won't go weird. You'll go to the fullness of what you're supposed to do. You'll receive fruit. You'll receive grace. You'll receive gifts. You'll receive boldness. You'll receive prophecy. You'll receive direction. You'll receive everything that God's got for you. So I appeal to you and I urge you. I've tried to do this really simple to serve you. Have you got number one? Let me see your hand if you've got number one. If you know that you've turned your life around and you've given your heart to Christ. You're just absolutely convinced I'm a Christian. And you've done it honestly. You've confessed your sins and you've said... Yes, Lord, come into my life. Be my Lord. Come on, let me see your hand. Don't be ashamed of it. I've said it. I've done it. I believe there are some people, you might have even put your hand up and you've done it historically, but you've been away from God. And like a prodigal son, somebody who's run away, that you need today to say, I'm doing that again. Because, you know, there are times in my life when I've let things come into my heart and I need to repent of them and change my heart. It's not that I'm unsaved, it's that I need to come back to you, God. And there'll be some people here today that if you don't change your direction, you'll be drifting far away from God. And today's your day to come back to Him. I wonder if we've got anybody in the house today. But I wonder if there's any people who need to do number two in the house. Who need to be baptised in water and say, I'm letting my old life go. And right now, as we stand here, you say, well, I've come to Christ. And this seems to be my next logical step. This seems to be the thing that God is saying to me. I've come to Christ. And you need to be, and you haven't been baptised in water. Let me see your hand if you've not been baptised in water. And you just want to say, yeah, that's... Yeah, there's one. Is there anyone else where you say, you know what? I need to make that decision. I need to be baptised in water. I need to say, God, I'm putting my old life away. And I want to receive a new life you see we've got a baptismal service in one month's time not next week's celebration service but on Palm Sunday the last Sunday in March I wonder if you could make that decision now I'm going to be baptised in water would you like to do that? would you like to make that decision right now? let me see your hand you say yeah I'm going to do it I'm going to do it I'm going to go to the class I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be baptized. Yeah. Wow. That's great. And what God's going to do, he's going to cut off your old life. 
and it's going to bring you more release. I want to pray for you guys afterwards. So I'm going to, in fact, this is what we're going to do now. Let's try and do this and you can move as many chairs as you want. I'm going to ask everybody as much as you possibly can to come and crowd here at the front. Do you want to just do that? Just start leaving your seats where you are. So, you see, you're not on your own in this church. You're like with everybody else. So, right from the back to the front, just come and just come and crowd around the communion tables. Come and help Lloyd, if you will. Just as many of you can. Please, everybody, just come. Just kind of, just do as much as you can. Just crowd in as much as possible. Because we're going to do number three together. We're all going to ask God, fill us up, Lord. Fill us up, Lord. Get as close as you can. Squeeze in as much as you can. So that you can feel like I'm a part of this church. I'm in this church. I'm a part of this body. Just come and squidge up. Squidge is Greek word for fellowship. Jesus. And you see, for some of you, you hate coming to the front, but maybe this is the step that you need to take by just saying, you know what? I just want everything that you've got for me. I've got number one. I did number two so long ago, it was written on a scroll. They didn't have printers in those days. But I need number three again and again. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, 40 years ago, when I was, became a Christian, when I was 14, I spoke a few words in tongues, half a sentence, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But I need to let you know, guys, that there's much more to being filled with the Holy Spirit than speaking a few words in tongues all those years ago. We need to be filled again. So if you've never had the experience of number three, where you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what I want you to do is just simply right now open your heart and begin and say, give me everything you've got, Lord. And if you feel a strange language coming in your mind, just speak it out. If you feel like you want to prophesy and tell the wonders of God, just speak it out. If you feel that you're, you become bold and ready and be filled, that's God filling you. Come on, everybody together now. Give me all you've got, God. Just say it out loud. Lord, give me everything that you have for me. Give me everything you have for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Refill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I want number three. I want to receive the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that you led me through number one. Thank you that I've done number two. But Lord, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit just with your voice now just hear yourself asking God begin to ask him say it out loud Lord fill me with the Holy Spirit don't just think it speak it now because he wants you to speak for him Holy Spirit Holy Spirit fill Ashley even more with the Holy Spirit fill Maria Lord just fill us with the Holy Spirit we need your Holy Spirit Holy Spirit just fill Gaudi Lord just fill Ben, Lord. Lord, refill us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us again with your Holy Spirit, Lord. 
You see, you can go out of order. If you've not been baptized, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, just fill Sam with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill Lloyd. Touch him, Lord, and heal him. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And it might not be a strong experience for you, but it'll be real. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. If you speak it out. While we're praying, is there anybody here you want to come back to Jesus? You've left him and you just want to renew your life in him. Let me just see your hand. You say, yeah, I see you there. Is there anyone else where you say, I want to come to Jesus? Dennis, we just want to welcome you back as a prodigal. We love you. So, Father, we just come to you now. Come on, speak it out. I want to receive more of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have got a cultural definition of what being filled with the Spirit is. You've seen weird people do weird things, but actually, God just wants to give you His gifts, His life, His fruit wants to enable you, empower you, and energize you. Sister Ure, would you lead us in that song? Sing this together and make this your prayer.